Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And the term dark night of the soul seems so fitting in these times. I'm like, I'm hearing it over and over and over again. So this term, dark night of the soul, in most spiritual traditions describes a spiritual crisis in the journey toward union with God. It's a process described by many of the early Christian mystics in their writings. Many of you have heard of it. Some of those signs, some of the symptoms that you might experience include confusion, emotional heaviness, helplessness, frustration. Perhaps there's anger or loneliness and sometimes even guilt and shame. But please note These emotions and this experience is different from depression. We're not talking about clinical depression here. And regardless of whether you've ever gone through your own personal dark night of the soul, you are likely feeling the effects of a collective dark night on the planet. So what does that mean? And how do you cope? Today, we are going to explore healthy ways to navigate this very real and radical spiritual transformation that's occurring in the collective psyche of all beings on the planet. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness. As I introduce our guest, she is a favorite, one of the popular guests here on the Dr. Julie Show. I love having her on. I invite her back again and again and again. She's an intuitive healer, spiritual guide, visionary coach, and needs little introduction. But I'm going to encourage you to go check out her full bio on CherylLynn.com. That's two R's and two L's. And I am so happy to welcome back Cheryl Lynn. Hey, Cheryl. Hi, Julie. Good to be with you again on your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being back here. And I want to let our listeners know you're one of my besties for a very long time now. And I introduce you as Cheryl Lynn, and that's the name you go by, and I often get in the bad habit and just call you Cheryl, so I'll try my best, Cheryl Lynn, (laughs) to say Cheryl Lynn, but listeners, if you want to look her up, which I know you're going to want to go Google Cheryl Lynn later and check out some of her programs and services, um, you can do that, and I'll remind you of that website again um, right after break, but Cheryl, thanks for joining me. You know, there's... There's so much happening on the planet. And I uh, this morning, actually, which was really fascinating, this morning on Facebook, one of the very first posts I see is someone saying, um, in one of those big posters where they put the color in the background and there's just a few words, um, are you or someone you know going through a dark night of the soul? I want to know who's out there. And I thought, wow, that's really weird. And I didn't even look to see who posted it. And I just scrolled on and then it just like hit me to go back and then I couldn't find it again. But so many people are talking about this dark night of the soul. 
And so um, I kind of briefly gave us a definition, Cheryl, and um, but I want to just begin by perhaps musing into this definition of what is a dark night of the soul. You know, most say it's a spiritual crisis. And actually, it's a very normal and beautiful process of development that we all go through. I believe that most individuals, when we begin looking at ourselves in a more spiritual way and we begin developing, the ego begins to dissolve a little bit or we let go of its stronghold. We see ourselves so much bigger and we kind of move into the true essence of who we be as, as love, right? As this, this love that we are, this essence. But it can be very disoriented, disorienting and confusing. Um, I'm just thinking of, of people who uh, many of my clients will come in during a dark night of the soul. And it's different than some spiritual crisis. If there's a psychotic break or there's other things going on. And, and like I mentioned, we're not talking about depression, but let's begin Cheryl with you um, perhaps expanding on how you see a dark night of the soul. And then we can move into the collective dark night that both you and I are recognizing happening. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'm called to go back to probably the deepest one that I had, the most obvious that the uh, dark night of the soul that I had personally, where I had spent some time really trying to know myself and become, you know, more self-aware and more confident and kind of unwavering standing in the truth of who I am. And during that process, what happened was I found a spiritual teacher who I resonated with at the time who said she could help me do that, help me feel more grounded and more spiritual and um, feel my center and my connection. And what ended up happening was without really being conscious of it, I gave my power away to her little by little and, and then in, in obvious and not so obvious ways and the opposite happened for a while where I felt like I needed her to tell me who I was, which was the opposite of what I was looking for. But the brilliance of it is when I finally realized, you know, through a series of events where, which were very traumatizing for me, someone who I had trusted really at the time, I felt like it was a betrayal and it took me a year. So I left this teacher and her work and really felt like I was completely stripped raw. And there's an element of that often in a dark night of the soul, like who you thought you were, all of a sudden you question it. Like, well, who am I really? And throughout that year of healing, it took me a good year before I came back into myself. And I had to strip away all of who I was not in order to actually reveal who I was. And when I came on the other side of it, the main thing that happened was I never since then have given my power away to another spiritual teacher. I am much more confident that even if I forget who I am in a moment or a day or even longer, that I'll always come back to the knowing of who I am. 
and that was the gift of going through that. And I see now that the very thing that I, the very reason I went to her, which was to help me know myself and to be able to stand unwavering in the truth of who I am, that's actually what happened. It just did happen by leaving her, not by studying with her, continuing to study with her. So that's, that's, you know, a very strong example in my life. And whenever I, you know, have a client or a friend who's going through that, I recognize those qualities of that feeling of being stripped bare, where it's, there's, there's a feeling of, you know, to add to your list of symptoms, um, a feeling of despair. Like there's this feeling like, how the heck am I going to get out of this? How am I going to ever feel good again? How, like the, this very oppressive kind of weight um, on you. And you don't know how you're going to get to the other side of it until you're on the other side of it. And then you're like, oh, okay. Now I see the genius and the brilliance of why I had to go through that in order to get to the other side. Yeah. So the stripped bear piece, and and you had said everything you thought you knew about yourself was just like gone. And this new truth begins to emerge. So this is often really frightening, you know, to the ego or to our personas, because in some way, it conflicts with our old truths, right, of what who we thought we were, and that our mind has accepted this truth with a capital T, like this is what we believe, this is who we are, this is, so everything that we knew about ourselves was created, I always like to talk about it, like in developmental levels, like who you are in kindergarten is not who you are as a freshman in high school, which is not who you are as a senior in college, you know? So what we know, what we've learned, what we've understood about ourselves, about the world around us, about life, about relationships, it all begins shifting. And all of a sudden we, we wonder, is anything true? Like, is, <laughs> anything, is anything true? Like, is any of it really true? The old way that, we saw things had this way of, of comforting us and protecting us and keeping us in this small thing. And now this big inner spiritual conflict with all those old beliefs breaks down the systems and structures. We, we, and we, like you said, you don't know till you're on the other side. It's like dark, it's black, you're stuck, you're lost in it. It's like, what now? So, um, I, the stripped bear part um, is to me that's a visceral. When you said that, I went, I could feel it in my body. Like, mm-hmm. what does it mean to be stripped bare? And you know, you just feel that vulnerability. And there's beyond the the darkness. There's a coldness about that as well. So this is fascinating, Cheryl. So thank you for that that personal story and I'm wondering how you see the difference between our individual dark night and the collective dark night because we're definitely going through a collective dark night of the soul in our human species in our collective psyche here and you know psyche means soul so it's not just 
our mental health and how we see the world or our mental construct, our psyche really means soul. And so I think it's important to point that out. But what do you see as the difference between an individual dark night and a collective dark night? Well, first, um, remembering that, yes, that we go through these stages in life personally where we you know, we're, we, we have a certain worldview when we're a child and then things shift when various things happen throughout our lives. But the essence of who we are when we're born, the essence like that never changes. I believe that we, we have a certain beingness to us that is the only thing that happens through the, the human experience is we have experiences that then influence our behavior, our decisions, our our interpretations of our lives and who we are. And, you know, we have lots of ideas about our S about who we really are, but that core essence is the thing that we're always seeking to come back to. We just don't realize it. And so when we're talking about the collective consciousness going through a dark night of the soul, it's no different. So inherently what, I mean, who are we as humans? Like what is human? What does it even mean to be human? You know, we're, we're souls having a, having a certain experience on planet earth at this time. Right. And is the essence of who we are, you know, to, to fight against each other and to, you know, destroy our environment and to, and to, you know, do all of these things to create systems that pit one person against another or one faction against another. I don't believe that that's our true essence. That's just, these are experiences that we're collectively creating and that we've collectively created because we are creative individuals and we're always looking to expand and to learn and to grow. And so we create things and we've created a lot of very destructive kind of things. And so now the call is to dismantle all of the structures that we've piled on top of our human construct of just being the core essence of human. We've piled all this stuff on top of it. And there's this longing deep within us, whether we recognize it or acknowledge it or not, to return to that simple beingness of being human, being kind to each other, being, being like feeling like we have a purpose for being on the planet. But what, what just like the personal dark night of the soul, humanity is going through this because we're questioning all these things that we've just kind of said, well, you know, feels good, feels good to, you know, work from work really hard and make a lot of money. And then I can have this car and this gadget and this and that. And, you know, I think like, it makes me kind of happy when I get a new iPhone, you know, <laughs> like, but it doesn't address that core longing, that core longing to, to have purpose, to have our lives have a deeper meaning. I like the idea of purpose and meaning. And I just want to add another layer to this. Um, Cause I think it's important you know, when we're looking at the collective species and our, our collective psyche or soul, the old way of believing and seeing and thinking of ourselves as separate from one another and separate from the planet and separate from a God creator source, that no longer exists, right? It's like science is showing it. Um, most of our spiritual traditions have have demonstrated that for centuries. And now it's like we're we're 
seeing a world built on that old belief that's not even true. And so, like when you were talking about dismantling and like literally um, we are consciously whether whether we do it consciously or not, but literally we are consciously beginning to take those layers off to like literally come back to the truth of who we really are and see ourselves in our wholeness, in our, so not only this, the purpose and meaning part, but I think that the purpose and meaning really comes when we see ourselves as whole beings within a greater unified whole. And so here's the question, Cheryl. So we look out of our windows and perhaps if we live in nature, we feel that, we experience it. We see, our, we, we see ourselves as whole, we experience ourselves as whole. But we turn on the media, we turn on these devices, like you said, it feels good to get a new iPhone, and then you scroll through social media, and all of a sudden, we're seeing ourselves as separate again. We're experiencing ourselves as separate. So as the truth of that breaks down, you know, what's the truth and here's another thing with social media we really don't know what the truth is anymore like this is one of the coping mechanisms that i was thinking about today if we have to learn how to tune into that truth what is our truth at the core of our being like you said at the essence of who we are so so i'm just curious if you can add anything to my question of of seeing ourselves as whole and how literally as we wake to these new levels of our exper- experiencing ourselves as multidimensional beings it's now very so i'm going to i'm going to back up Cheryl you are an intuitive you're a healer you're mm-hmm. a spiritual guide you're a visionary you can go beyond the physical form and access wisdom and truth that's very different than turning on social media or a traditional media channel and listening to somebody else tell you a story that is very different from our perceived truth, from from what our intuition says, what our heart says, what our gut says. So, I'm curious if you could speak to that sense of wholeness that I'm talking about, that literally what, as we're stripping this, this dark night of the soul for an individual where all of our beliefs are being challenged and all of a sudden none, nothing makes sense anymore. And that's what's happening in us, a collective that we're not separate. Can you expand on that? I think um, just listening to you, the thing that keeps keeps kept coming up was... And I've, I've had a lot of people, not just people who are, you know, visionary, seer, intuitives, <laughs> but a lot of people saying that they, they really are longing for more face-to-face time with friends, with family, with their community, and that that really is part of the foundational work that we're called, being called to do. I know that you know, you and I both live in more rural areas and it's not always easy to find people to hang out with. And especially, you know, if you want to hang out with people that will, will have a a deeper conversation with you. Um, but it's, it's really so important that we cultivate that because that, 
that tangible, being able to reach out and give someone a hug or to hold their hand because they're going through a rough time, that is what feeds that knowing of our connectedness. We have, I believe that there is, you know, and I learned this in the early days of being on social media, that there is absolutely an energetic connection when you get on social media and you reach out to someone who's across the country or across the world. And you can feel like energetically, like your cells kind of lighting up with them and communicating back and forth. That's a real thing. But it is really, because we're having this human experience in physical bodies, it's so important that we also have that human touch, the really being able to look into the soul of the person, you know, depending on your internet connection, sometimes you can get a pretty good feel when you're on like a, some sort of a video chat, like Skype or zoom. But even then there's still a screen between you and the other person. And so I think that that is a big part of it. You know, yes, even if your work is global or international, you know, it's, I think it's really important to make sure that you're tapping in locally because that's when you ground the truth of who you are, the ground, the knowingness. You know what? There's some there's something else to that that I, I just want to presence here because I think it's really important is coming together in person. Um, I, I have a cohort of beautiful souls that I work with every week. Like every week we're on calls one or two. We see each other on Zoom and every year we have an annual retreat and being in the presence of one another amplifies everything. It is just like you're saying, yes, I crave that physical contact and touch and and I want to see that person but energetically something different it's a whole different experience of what what emerges from being in this collective unified field together so I I I can't agree with you more and we need to to take a break here in a second and I'm like thinking about in my mind, all of a sudden I'm going, oh, chick, 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 chick. All these things are coming in of like, oh, these are really good prescriptions for how to deal with this global dark night of the soul, this collective dark night. Like a bunch of things were, were coming through my mind when I was thinking about being together with, with those people. And I know you have some too. So we are going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to go into some very concrete and specific ways of how to really stay present during this time and to go through this together alone. And that that's one of the realities, right? Together, right, Cheryl? Together yes. alone. That's yeah. that's part of, of the most difficult part of this is we're, we're going through it alone. But um, I do want to differentiate that as we're going through the collective dark night, it doesn't have to be our personal dark night. And that's different too. Do you want to say anything about that before we break? Um, this, this, especially if you're, if you're empathic in any way, this is, this can be a challenge where you don't take on the energy of the collective, but can see yourself as 
a part of, but also separate from. It's 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 what I call compassionate detachment, and we can talk more about that when we come back. Perfect. All righty. So your individual dark night doesn't have to be the collective dark night, but you're in it with us. So here we are together alone. We're going to take a quick break when we return. So much more with the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected and Cheryl Lynn. George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. This is why you work so hard to pay the mortgage. Because home is more than four walls and a roof. It's that port swing on a summer night. It's pajamas with feet and everybody over for Sunday dinner. And that old stuffed chair in the living room you just can't get rid of. This is why you work a second job. This is why you learn to fix things yourself so you can save on repairs. Because home is your place, your memories, your family sleeping in their own beds at night. And that is why we want to help. We are making home affordable, a free government resource that can make paying the mortgage easier. And now even more options are available. Call 888-995-HOPE today. That's 888-995-HOPE. Or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Good night, Mama. This is why. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Arr! We be under attack. Man the long nines. Prepare to be boarded. Flagship starboard bow. What? No, not by the enemy flagship. By garbage. Me beautiful ocean be full of it these days. It flows in from rivers and drain pipes. Many of folk don't know that when they throw trash on the ground, it eventually makes its way into the ocean. How can I enjoy Sail Me Bonnie Seas with all this trash in it? Why, there's soda pop bottles, plastic bags, even stinky leftover takeout. Fire at will, men! Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. If you don't, I'll make you walk me plank. <laughs> nah, just kidding. Seriously, though, learn more what you can do to keep the oceans healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. Back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. 
Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by this conversation on our collective dark night, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, courageous, and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we all depend on. Come work with me. There's lots of different ways to do that, and you can check out those opportunities at juliecrawl.com. And also, there's lots of opportunities to work with Cheryl Lynn. You can check out her work at CherylLynn.com. Again, that's S-H-E-R-R-Y-L-L-I-N.com. Welcome back to the second half, Cheryl. Hi. (laughs) I want to tell a story. I was thinking about this during the break about, um, you know, we, what's really important right now in this collective dark night is for us to learn how to hold the light for each other as well as for ourselves. And what does that really mean in the collective dark night? And so, um, literally I was, I was just thinking about this the other day, Sunday, I'm going to tell you a couple days ago. So, um, I went out into the garage. It's pitch dark outside. And I went out to the garage to get a beverage out of a refrigerator. And there's this glow and I usually like flip on the light right away, but I went out, shut the door and then had to get oriented. And there's this glow in the garage where I could see everything. And I'm like, why can I see everything? And I looked around and literally there was one little blue light on my car. Hmm. And that was it. And that little tiny blue light that was a sensor on my car illuminated, of course, created enough light for my eyes to adapt that I could see it. And I was, I was thinking about that. It's like in my house at night, um, if there's a new moon, and of course, it's really dark outside. I have salt lamps in three rooms of my house. And so literally, I can navigate in the dark throughout my whole entire house besides the basement. But on the main level, I can go from room to room with these three salt lamps that glow and never really be in the dark. And so I think that 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 prescription, that metaphor is really good for us that even in the darkest of times right now, and things seem really dark and things seem really hopeless, um, part of our job is to create just enough light that helps us stay oriented. Just like when you were talking about um, you going through your dark night, it's like we have no idea what it's going to look like on the other side, right? right? And yet, if we totally understand, not totally, if we understand what's happening on the planet, at least we can find those little sources of light that keep us just oriented enough to navigate this together. So what might you say about that light and and where shall we start with our coping mechanisms, Cheryl? What what would we you say as people are trying to navigate this collective dark night? Well, what so so what you're asking really is what are those 
points of light for for us and how how can we kind of move through what we're going through without without being able to see what's next <laughs> right we can't right. see the next light but we can see the light that's right here so i think one of those that we you know touched on in the first half was you know connect staying connected to others staying connected physically being in the presence of others i think that's that's part of it i think another piece of it is really to hone in on what our individual purpose is for being on the planet this is so important and there's been books written about it and ways to figure out what your purpose is and i think it's often much simpler than we think and um one of the most helpful ways to kind of look at what your purpose for being is, is, you know, if I were to ask your friends, you know, what is the thing that they get most from you? You know, is like, are you a good listener? Or are you, do they, they feel like you're, you're um, really smart and have great ideas? Like those things that you're already doing, like it doesn't have to be like some mission to, you know, end world hunger or something like that. There's like an essence of you that is unshakable. It's like you came in with that. And I think when you when you remember that and feel like you have that purpose, then it's so much easier to navigate when you come up against, you know, seeing things in the news or tragedies happening in your own backyard or even in your own family. I think about all of the, not just young people, but a lot of younger people who have turned to drugs and other substances to check out. And when, when I've talked to some of these people, it's like, well, you know, this place stinks. Like, I don't don't like being, I don't like being fully present for this. Like, what's the point? Like, you know, like maybe in my lifetime, it's all going to end. And so there's this feeling of despair and they just want to check out. So for someone like that, if they knew that what their purpose was, and they knew that they could actually make a difference that that would that would soothe that feeling of helplessness that comes with witnessing things that you don't feel like you have any power to change so i think that that's a big part of it like you what know, I, is purpose yeah i want to i i, I want to interrupt you i i think it's really important i love that and when you were talking and you said to change the world um often that purpose like you said it might not be world hunger it might be like i'm going to give you an example and you're going to know exactly what i mean by this but i want us to amplify this for our listeners today because they're like oh my purpose it doesn't really matter and my purpose isn't that important or isn't that big but you may have an incredible impact on one person and that one person may change the world by solving world hunger we don't know so when you talk about purpose cheryl can you expand into that that we're contributing to the good of the whole whether it's um serving food at the food pantry for a few hungry people or if it's literally helping someone else who will literally solve world hunger on a global scale what what do you mean by 
changing the world and tying our purpose into it. Because I think focusing and staying focused on our purpose is really important. That's one of those navigating tools. That's that blue light on the car. That if I just focus on that blue light, all of a sudden I could see the whole dark garage and not trip over things. So what do you mean by that? And and yeah, yeah. it's I definitely didn't mean, you know, big change the world kind of mission. It's just understanding that it all is a big change the world. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it all makes a difference. I was thinking about how there's a there's a food bank in Phoenix where I used to live, St. Mary's Food Bank. And, you know, even no matter how much money I had, I would I would contribute every year a little bit to the food bank. You know, even if it was five dollars, I would always contribute to the food bank. And, um, it just, I just liked the energy of it. There's not really a reason. There was a lot of other charities I could have given my money to. And then, you know, my, my son who has had some mental health issues at times, um, he, there was a period of time where I didn't know where he was. He kind of took off and was wandering around the city and, um, he wasn't living with me at the time. And later I found out that he had found, he had his, he had his, he had made his way to the food bank and gotten some food from them. And I thought, you know, that could have been that five bucks that I contributed that one time, you know, that made a difference in his life that day. Cause he got something to eat, you know, and, and it's that kind of realizing that even those little things make a big impact in someone's life. Yeah. Right. And he, he happens to be kind of like a, a philosopher kind of, personality. And while he was probably out on the street, he was probably giving really good sound advice. Um, even if he was a little off balance to some of the people that he was coming in contact with. So it allowed him to do his mission, which is to assist people who other people wouldn't even talk to. Right. So all connected. Mm, I love that. Okay. So the connection piece. Number one, purpose. You you talk you brought us into this essence of who we are, coming into our purpose and and really living that life, focusing on that that meaning that that it creates. And then another prescription here is that connectivity, that staying connected with others, that that face-to-face connection that is meaningful. And I, I think that, that that's another one. And you were just saying another one that came to mind for me in your service is really compassion mm-hmm. of, you know, as tuning into compassion. And when you were serving the food bank, you're talking about serving the food bank or, or giving money to the fr- food bank. I was thinking of a time where I, my husband and I, um, we, support a local um, food bank closet that that has a lot of um, reuse stuff and um, it's a very very busy place like it's a just incredibly important service to the to the area and one year we just felt called to treat all the volunteers and I heard a really beautiful story. We we wrote a beautiful card and gave them all a gift. And we heard some of the most beautiful stories of how that shifted the entire place during that busy time of year. They were all in such gratitude and felt valued and felt, you know, that, that they were all giving more. And it, it was a it was a beautiful thing that sometimes that compassion 
um, that we give really sprinkles down and ripples down in ways that we can't even imagine for, for those most in need. Yes. Yes. That, that's awesome. I think a pre- gratitude and appreciation is a huge thing. I know my partner, Brian, when, whenever we're in a store and it's a holiday, he always thanks the employee for working the holiday, even if they're getting paid time and a half, it's still like they're taking time out of their day to help other people. Right. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so how might we not get pulled into the gravity of the darkness, of the of the craziness that's surfacing as we're going through this collective dark night? It's very consuming energetically in a lot of ways. And the the gravity of it is not just the heaviness of the gravity, but the pull of the gravity. It's like this magnetic pull that is easy to get pulled into the stories and the the narrative of, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what this person did now. So there's so much happening on a world stage as we're going through this beautiful time. And we could literally, Cheryl, we could go through it like we're shedding skin like a snake does, or we could get pulled into the gravity and into the despair and and really struggle. So how do we not allow the collective dark night to pull us in? How might we, um, I'll tell you a story, Cheryl. <laughs> I love this story. I'm talking a lot today. I'll tell you this story because it's, it's, I've used this with clients for so many different years. I don't even know where I got this story. I don't know if I made it up or I saw it somewhere else. If, if you know, if you're listening and you know that this is somebody else's story, please let me know so I can give credit to them. Um, but there's this idea of us walking down a street and falling into a big hole. And we climb out, we, you know, we work to get out of this big dark hole and we climb out and, and go, woof, that was, that was big. So then we're walking down the street again and we go, oh yeah, there's that hole, but we slip right back in it. It's like, dang, I fell in the hole again. Okay, climb out. It's big, it's dark, it's scary, but I, I know I can get out of this hole. So next day we're walking down that street there's that hole again and we're like oh yeah i gotta be careful don't want to fall in that hole this time and we carefully try to walk around it and slip and fall staying here we are okay i know how to get out get out of that hole and then the next day we walk down another street mm-hmm. and thank you for whoever i don't know if i made that story up or not thank you it's you know i've been doing this work for 35 years on the planet but that story to me Cheryl is a it's like one way that we could go oh yeah the the drama trauma playing out on a world stage in our collective dark night doesn't have to be mine I can walk down a different street I can still stay in the place of compassion of gratitude, of connectivity and connection, but I don't have to walk down that street and get pulled into the darkest of the darkest pit. I'm wondering what you might have to share with our listeners of how we don't perpetually keep getting pulled into the dark and the despair. Yeah, and this is this is what I was alluding to before we went on break. The 
cultivating compassionate detachment. It's not so easy being human, being a caring person, especially if you have empathic tendencies where you can feel other people's energy. You can, even if you're not like, even if you don't call yourself like an intuitive or something, you just are one of those people who walk into a room and you can tell if someone's in a bad mood. Right. So, so it is a challenge, but it's not impossible. And the compassionate detachment is something where you recognize the connection you have with people, but you also recognize your separateness. And I think that this is, you know, this is, I mean, we literally are in our own skin, right? We're not, we're not like you and I are very close and we have a lot of compassion and understanding and empathy for each other, but we're not in the same body. Like we can't literally know what it feels like to be each other. So that is something I think that is a gift to us as humans that we have to draw upon. That's a strength that we have where we can see like, oh, it's not actually happening to me. Like this is something I'm watching on the news. This is someone else's interpretation of something. This is, and if you can kind of like what, what I, what I teach when I, when I work with people who are, who do energy work who are you know, healers of sorts or, you know, do Reiki or something like that. I talk a lot about making sure that you're using what is called the central channel. And what all that is, you can just even, even if you don't like perceive this, you can use this idea that there's you, there's you right here listening to this radio show in your physical body, but there's this aspect of you that can kind of be separate and look at the big picture. You can actually see the big picture of what's really happening. You can see beneath people's words. You can, you, you kind of have an understanding in certain situations that maybe things aren't as they seem. And it's this central channel, which is pure truth. And I'm not talking about the truth. I'm talking about the truth for you. So what is actually true for you in each moment? So what I, what I, would say about that as, as a way to cope, to use this as a coping mechanism is you can just kind of imagine that, you know, and you can use the image like of a bird or something like that as your central channel, the, the part of you that can, can be you still, but also separate from you. You can imagine yourself, this aspect of yourself as this bird who can fly way, 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 so high and then look down at that situation. And just as you can, from that place, you can ask yourself, cause you're not, you're not like right in it You can say, what's really going on here? And even if you don't have an answer, there's sort of a, there's something that happens that takes you into a very grounded perspective instead of just an emotional feeling about something. So you can look at like, say uh, something that's happening politically and you can take yourself as a bird would and look down and see, Oh, there's this human that's playing the role of the president and this human that's playing the role of a congressman and they're playing this game and <laughs> this one's doing this and this one's saying that and it just neutralizes it it just you could just kind of can see it as just humans like playing something out and from that perspective it just there's like for me and for people that I've shared this technique with it's just very calming to see that 
it's just we're we're all playing a game of sorts in this human play. And when we see it from that perspective, that's when that's when we can actually be detached enough to see solutions, see how we can bring more peace, see how we can bring more compassion, see how we can bring more um, resolution to things. Mm, I like that. Mm. The perspective piece is really important. And the central channel, please, I just I, I want you to just clarify that a little bit more because when I when I hear central channel, I'm thinking of that energetic column that we a lot of times um, look at grounding energy. And when you're talking about it being this pure truth, it's almost like our access to the unified field of consciousness of, of like all things. So can you just say a little bit more about central channel? Because when you sure. start talking about it being a bird flying up right. and having that perspective, I, I want to go back to perspective yeah. again, but having the I, central channel be the bird, explain the central channel. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I kind of changed metaphors midstream. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's so great. The, the, cent, the central channel it makes a, it makes a lot of sense for someone who's doing energy work but it actually is all of us because we're all we're we're physical beings but we also have energy that we're transmitting and receiving all the time just just by our existence and coming in contact with different elements and different people and different situations it's affecting us energetically so there is like an aspect of us that before we incarnated in this human body was the essence of who we, we are. And that, from my perspective and from what I've seen and know for myself, is that that doesn't change. Like whether you're in a body or out of a body, it doesn't matter. And so that essence, that essence is connected. And I see it with the direct knowing that is you know, for some of you, you know what the third eye is. It's like your perception of knowing beyond your beyond your brain's capacity to know truth. There's like this this expanded capacity where you can kind of see that bigger picture. So the central channel, what I like to do is just imagine it as a column that goes through the center of our physical bodies. But if it could be it's helpful for me even to sometimes see it as like a hair's width away from my body because the body has all of its experiences and the mind can come in with different thoughts about things and tell us, you know, this is right or this is wrong or you should think this way or that way. But the central channel, if you can kind of see it as the purest form of your knowing connected to source energy, connected to the field of all consciousness. And when you tune in, and when I say tune in, it doesn't have to be complicated. You can just say, okay, I want to know what the truth is about this situation. And you could, and for me, I just imagine that channel going through the top of my crown as far up, because up seems to be the way that we look at these things, far up as I can imagine, like just to source beyond anything else then I get these clear answers and I get the cl clarity of understanding what in fact um, is true about whatever the situation that everyone's freaking out about or feeling dense about. You know, I just had this vision, Cheryl, and so this peace washed over me. I closed my eyes listening to you and you're explaining the central channel and I'm like literally... Um, 
it, it's like the little blue light in my car that then illuminates the whole garage. Like coming into that place of the central channel fills my whole body with peace, fills mm. my whole body with the sense of calm that everything will be okay. Just like that little tiny blue light can fill the whole garage and I am in a place of, of better knowing and orientation in that space. So, um, I'm yeah, thank you. I really feel that connection with the central channel as this place that I can stay in my body and yet feel that higher perspective that gives me peace and clarity and clarity. The clarity of the channel, you know, we're all channels if we can just let go of the language and we're coming into these new real, real gifts, capacities. Um, we could say a lot of different things about the evolution of consciousness and what's happening on the planet. And that's part of what's disorienting for us as well in this collective dark night is all of a sudden, a lot of these capacities are turning on and it doesn't match how we saw ourselves on the planet and with each other and in our bodies. And so I, I really love that tool and when I was listening to you then, I also felt um, like that little bird was just moving up into this channel. It Like it didn't leave and go out into the world and over on the tree across the street. It was just like me moving my awareness into a place where I could have a greater perspective. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, very nice. Mm, okay, Cheryl, we have just a couple minutes here. And um, in like a minute or less. Is there any other tool or technique you want to share? Is there anything else that you want to say about this collective dark night with our collective psyche that you haven't been able to say yet during this hour that flew by? <laughs> it did fly by. Yeah. I think it's it's not really anything additional, just sort of to, to reiterate that because I've been through probably several I mean, I don't always identify them as dark nights of the soul, but because I've been through them and come out the other side, this too shall pass is a really good thing to say. Yeah. You know, if you actually look at the history of the planet, there have been dark nights of the soul of the planet many times. Yeah. And we we keep going. It might be in a different form. It might, you know, there might be some major changes, but we will keep going. We will keep going and in some form or another. And I think that to remember that, to keep that kind of in perspective and, and um, I think that that helps a lot. Just Perfect. to remember that. <laughs> yeah. They always say it's darkest right before dawn. Thank yeah. you, Cheryl Lynn, for joining us today. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you, Julie. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, you're welcome. And I, I think it's appropriate to close our show with a little Rumi who knew that dark night of the soul really well. Rumi said, hardship may dishearten at first, but every hardship passes away. All despair is followed by hope. All darkness is followed by sunshine. 
And here's another. Darkness may hide the trees and the flowers from the eyes, but it cannot hide love from the soul. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things things Connected. Remember, together we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.